This is a Hot Pie Original. Oh, my God. Okay, so this this rock festival, this wizard rock festival with Draco and the Malfoys, Tom Riddle and friends, Whomping Willows and the Moaning Myrtles, 2008. This is where it went down at a YMCA summer camp lodge in the Ozark foothills. Draco and the Malfoys had just released their third album, A Slytherin World. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm having like a hard time about, like, laughing a lot. I can't drink this water. Mm-hmm. It's too funny. Hello, America. My name is Lee, and I am the music dilettante. I am a person who cultivates an area of interest such as the arts without a real commitment to the knowledge, meaning I have sat in a darkened room and gotten into more SoundCloud wormholes, Bandcamp, Friendster, Tumblr wormholes than you and your D&D friends have ever done. And I bring all these gems to the surface level for you, these micro genres that you may have never heard of. Um, genres like bounce music, gothtronica, hipster hop, shit gaze, cloud rap, chill hop, cow punk, dark wave, blog house, Ethiopian acid jazz, chopped and screwed, hypnagogic pop, neo trash, bedroom pop, Detroit techno, avant garde jazz, yacht rock, indie tronica, Mongolian throat singing, and Cambodian 60s rock. Wow. It's all gonna come to the surface eventually if you keep listening. Um, but today I'm really excited because I have a good friend on, Jesse Beeman, and we're going to be talking about something that both of us don't know too much about, but I think there's untold fascination in it, and that is wizard rock. And that is not, um, you know, like heavy metal, like Black Sabbath, or like wizardry. No, this is wizard rock specifically derived from Harry Potter books and Harry Potter movies, yeah. and a revolution that sprung from the loins of J.K. Rowling's books that um, took a lot of these bands on, you know, quite the adventure. A lot of them got to tour the world, wow, singing about Harry and Hermione and and the different plot points and maybe alternative fiction. Um, it but, sounds serious. Yeah, it's extremely serious. Yeah. Is the one thing you need to know I feel about like it this. Is. Um, there's a lot of hard dollars behind it. There's a lot of you know, suits. Yeah. A lot of contracts. Yeah. Being signed. Um, Beautiful, like poetry. <laughs> and sure it's good. it, uh, it really gets fleshed out. So we can talk about that in a little bit, but what I wanted to start at is just talking about um, you, man. I think you're one of the more interesting people that I've met here in Austin. And for me, I was at a death metal concert. Well, not a death metal concert. I was at Moody ACL Live watching Deaf Heaven open up for Anthrax and Lamb of God and what turned out to be an incredible concert where I saw people turn into apes and just start wow. banging. And I mean, I've amazing. never seen such a primal flow state level. Um, but That's bet- a great venue too. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah. between the acts, I went down and to the Royal Blue Grocery and met you. And yeah. you told me about um, your act, My Empty Phantom. And I immediately was hooked upon listening to you and um, getting to know you has been really cool, man, because yeah. I think, uh, you know, what you've done in the music scene here has been um, a lot of it. You've had to kind of create your own path. Mm-hmm. Um, but when did you like, when did you first come to Austin? Um, 2005. 
Yeah, I moved here when I was pretty young, like just 18. Um, yeah, two, 2005. And was like, time. was music on the forefront when you got here or was it just like... Yeah, definitely. Um, I moved here with like two of my friends and we were like in this little band and yeah, like um, that was the goal for me. Like I just never really wanted to go to college. I just kind of was like, I want to play music, be creative and moved here and haven't. Yeah, that's all. You're I'm one doing. of those savants though. Yeah. It's just like, I know exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. No interest in college at all. I'm not going to blow 80 grand just ripping bongs, <laughs> yeah. pretending like I'm into kinesiology. Yeah, exactly. Because cool. that's what I would do <laughs> if I was in college. I would just be doing that. So. <laughs> I'm not leaving my dorm room, Kai. Just leave the mushrooms outside, Kai. It's cool that you remember that though, like when we met, because now I'm remembering how that went down. What too. I remember was your energy. Cause mm. I was like, you were so positive and I was just kind of like blown away by the music I had just seen and was like verbal diarying, like, Oh, I just saw anthrax and like, they just, you know, destroyed my brain. And now <laughs> yeah. I got to go back for more lamb of God. And, yes. And you were like, um, you know, started talking about your band and was like, Oh, I'm a music journalist here in town. And that's when I got into my empty phantom. And, um, tell me a little bit about how my empty phantom came together, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, those guys I moved up here with, um, the main guy, our oldest musician in the band, he, he left the group. He was just kind of, he sold all his instruments and was like, I'm done playing music. And for me and my friend, we were shocked because we looked up to him so much. He was so talented. Um, and after that, I actually kind of decided like, well, I'm going to like keep playing music myself and learn how to do kind of like a one man band. And I kind of modeled my setup after a guy named Dosh, who was like a one man looper. And uh, it's really crazy because we'll talk about it later, I guess. But yeah, Dosh is now on the label that I started. So um, yeah, so I kind of modeled it after that and just never really looked back and just started touring and got really caught up in that touring culture um, of just like, being out there all the time and moving and just kind of, I got kind of lost for five years of just touring as my empty phantom, this one man band. But really during those years, I was kind of like learning how to play live. Like I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of like had all these looping pedals and and just started going off. And I just did that for a few years. And then, um, out of nowhere, I just kind of got opportunity to go to Europe. And so I went to Europe when I was like around 23. So about three years of touring then I started going to Europe. And ever since then, it just, kept snowballing. I just, uh, felt good about it. So I just kept going and, um, felt like it was a positive thing in my life. So, yeah. And so my empty phantom has, is still like part of you and still going on. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Recently I kind of took the moniker away and and decided to release music under my name. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I've thought about like maybe one day I'll, I like to not like close doors, you know? So maybe one day I'll, I'll put out like a Mighty Phantom record. Well, I don't know if that's any different, but I do feel like I'm exploring new sounds and, and, um, starting to be a lot more interested in collaborations, whether it's solo work or not. Yeah. Know? That's what blew me away when, when I saw that you were a solo artist that was doing a lot of instrumentals and it was kind of at a time where like explosions in the sky, mm-hmm. you know, especially here in Austin and Friday mm-hmm. Night Lights had, peaked but that cinematic mm-hmm. instrumental build yeah um, that was powerful and, and you had shades of that mm-hmm. but then i also saw you know that you had these audiences in mexico and europe like mm-hmm. this was a style of music that translated you know because it didn't have lyrics or a lot of lyrics mm-hmm. that everybody had tapped into it and i was like my god like 
you know, I've heard of explosions in the sky, but I haven't heard of my empty phantom. And this guy is just like touring around the world, you know, invigorating audiences with these beautiful soundscapes. Thank you. Yeah, that was cool. Like, honestly, um, it was like an interesting time because I, yeah, explosion in the sky was like very big at that time. And when I would go to Europe, like everyone would bring them up to me because I'm kind of exploring that sound, but I'm like one person. Um, and I played a big instrumental festival out there. And I think uh, a lot of people told me I stood out because I was like by myself performing this sound that's pretty big, you know, and I was doing it alone. And sometimes I think that like um, one of the reasons why people gravitate towards it or, or relate to it is because I think everybody wants to be in a band or, or perform live and experience that feeling of like projecting music loud to people and letting people feel something. Um, but when they see that one person can do it, I think it gives, I had a lot of younger people coming up to me after my shows being like, I want to buy a loop station and do what you're doing. And I was just yeah. like, please do like, that's, I, I'm hoping that people do that, you know? So I got lucky, I think, and maybe whatever it was it was invigorating because you could see like you at work just going and it was it was just all you on display like when i think about joining a band it's like oh well you know all i have to do is play the piano but he's going to sing the lyrics Mm -hmm. and take up most of the audience energy and Mm -hmm. for you it's just like it's completely naked out Mm -hmm. there yeah it's a struggle (laughs) yeah there was like a light show to it Mm -hmm. um but it, it was it was just like completely your energy on display, which I think people really identified with. Yeah, I I really enjoyed those years. And um, I hope to play, you know, in the future when things open up, but I'm more interested in, yeah, collaborating and having like someone with me, whether I'm performing solo shows or like this new project. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. So Tepo Magico, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know too much about it. Yeah, me either. Almost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. It's but just, I like the name a lot. Yeah, it's uh, named after um, a small town in Mexico called Teposlan. Uh, my friends in Mexico took me there like after a show I played. And it was it's a magical place. Like people call it a magical town. So um, that that town really stuck with me. And I like want to keep that memory like forever. So I was like, I should just start a project and name it after that. I always remember that day then, you know, so... Well, it's got the ring to it, man. Yeah. Depo Mexico, claro que sí. Exactly. You know it's Por favor. You know how to say it. And uh, it's cool because those guys are a big family of me for me, like the PYL records in Mexico City. Those guys have been a family for me. So I wanted to kind of honor like everything they've done for me as well. So. Definitely. One thing you've also done, and it's not surprising with your energy, but you've brought like a lot of other established artists around you that want to be around you, one of mm. whom... You know, I, like I grew up idolizing uh, Brandon Curtis from Secret Machines. Yes. For me growing up, like Secret Machines were huge. They were out of Dallas. They were playing a style of music that I was bravely into. And and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I idolized them. And, and then you were like, yeah, man, it's one of my good friends. Yeah, that was cool. Like, I think uh, we met. And then years later or something, me and Brandon started working on the record and we saw each other again, I think. And you were like, man, you're working with Brandon. And you were, I remember you were saying how much of a fan you were of his. And immediately then I was like, oh, I should, you know, connect with this guy, Lee, because he, I think he understands what I'm doing and and who I'm working with. But yeah, Brandon has definitely taken me under his wing and um, he did a lot of work for this record with me. I mean, we worked on it for a long time, back and forth and Brandon, yeah, he's done a lot for me. He's like a brother, mentor. Yeah, when I interviewed him, he was just like, Jesse inspires me because his wow. energy, wow. Um, you know, really propels me forward. But wow. you're also working with Joe Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and a few other guys, right? Mm-hmm. Joe Barry, Sam Fagorino. Uh, it's cool. Uh, Tepo Magico is kind of this loose, open project where we have like me and Sam, Sam Fagorino from Interpol. He's the drummer. Um, we're working closely, like me and Sam are talking the most about the music and just like keeping it rolling. And then we're kind of chiming Joe in, but we have all the people from our label as well, kind of chiming in. And we got, um, Steve, the bass player of white denim. So he's doing all the bass for us. So so that's really exciting. I I really did want to pull in like the best people I could think of. And also like people I've met on tour and just people I admire. I, you know, a big part for me is I want to play music with the people that I admire, you know, people that inspire me, musicians that'll push me to be better. You know, Sam's like such a good drummer and Joe's like knows everything about music. And I'm kind of like the one who doesn't know anything, but I'm like writing a lot. So I'm just like trying to learn and have fun. Yeah. I'm sure it's a yin and yang. I'm sure they're getting more from you than Ooh. you could even imagine. I hope so. Um, you know, but speaking about tenured you know, professionals and bands that are on the up, mm-hmm. that is the exact opposite of wizard rock bands. Perfect. That's great. <laughs> that was my segue. <laughs> um, but wizard rock is a style of music that um, sprung, as I mentioned before, directly from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the uh, supernova moment, you could say, uh, was put on by a band called Harry and the Potters. Okay. And... Harry and the Potters um, were putting on a concert for their own band and had um, a festival and had a bunch of bands cancel and they had just read Harry Potter books. And so they got together, wrote seven songs, Harry Potter themed, got out and performed them for a crowd of six people. Wow. And Wizard Rock was born. Wow. Um, so we have them. The I should have been there. Um, yeah. This is predecessing them, though. There's a band called uh, Switchblade Kittens that wrote a song called Ode to Harry Potter in 1999. Oh, wow. Um, from the perspective of Jenny Weasley. Um, they were not a wizard rock band, but this was the first wizard rock style. Wow. Um, and so wizard rock was coined by Paul DeGeorge, who was the founding member of Harry and the Potters. And he's credited with creating the whole music genre. Wow. Um, and a legend. Absolutely. A straight up legend. Straight G. The, the crazy thing is, is that there are over like 200 wizard rock bands. Oh my God. Around the world. Cause Harry Potter knows no bounds. Yeah. People are inspired wherever they are, whether it's Guyana or Denmark, you know, what's the kid's name? Like who acts in Harry Potter? Um, it's crazy to know that he has, whoever he is, he has the power to be like, I could write a record. It could be terrible and it'll sell like so right. many records. We got Rupert Grint and who is the main actor? Do you remember? Golden. It's crazy. I don't know. He's only in like 12 movies. Of Harry I know, Potter. man. <laughs> like, how do I not know yeah, his name? His name is Harry Potter. That's his name. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got on and, yeah. you know, he's become like a real actor. I heard he got sober and like okay. went through like, you know. It's that's a heavy weight. Oh, yeah. Seven movies. Yeah. Growing up in Hollywood. Everybody's recognizing you. Apparently, and his drinking got out of control and he straightened it out. And now he's doing like a lot. He's doing what he wants to do. Yeah. I like to see it. He's done some good stuff. He's doing plays Mm -hmm. and Broadway's. Mm-hmm. He's sticking, you know, to what he wants. Yeah, so. not a knock on him. We weren't making fun of him at all. He's, I mean, he's, that's accomplished, you know. Well, no, he's safe. But yeah. the other 200 Wizard Rock bands. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they're on the hot plate. <laughs> We're going to destroy. <laughs> We're going to absolutely destroy these guys. Yeah, so, 
Daniel Ratcliffe. Oh, right on. Shout out to him. Big shout out. And uh, who's Hermione? She's a good painter. I know that. Emma Watson. Emma Watson. That's right. And she's done a lot of great things. I know she went to college and was like, I want to get, I think she went to Harvard and like, I got to get away from like this Hollywood thing. Mm. She's just trying to be normal. Yeah. And everybody wants her to just be that little wizard girl. I know that, that be must tough. be hard. Mm-hmm. It's got to be They're tough. Like, what, a, what a warped reality though. Like yeah. you just, for the rest of your life, everybody's like waving oh. like pencils at you. And oh, it's like, out. That'd be crazy. Yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Life already is crazy enough. I can't imagine for them. Like, dealing with that yeah i'd have a mental break yeah. but they're probably have more mental fortitude than i <laughs> yeah they probably can and more money yeah exactly be real it's just yeah put up a nice money <laughs> buffer be okay. be yeah. i think they're doing okay but um paul de george gets going with harry and the potters they start playing elementary schools the best place to start of course and That's they start idea. building a following and they release um their second album, Voldemort Can't Stop the Rock, actually got them on a national tour. Wow. They started selling out um, small clubs. Of course, um, you know, I think Universal steps in at some point. It's just like, you gotta, you can't sell merch. Like, really? you can hey, do the songs, but you can't sell merch. Pump the brakes, guys. Which I think is actually pretty cool that they let them keep going on as Harry and the Potters. Yeah. Because they probably could have just dropped the axe on them. They could have destroyed them. But Harry and the Potters continues on and they just take they take the the country by storm. And every time there's a new Harry Potter book that's released, they get booked for weeks and months. Like, wow. You know, every time Harry because there are seven books and then the movies. Wow. So every time another thing, who are you going to book? Who's going to hype Harry Potter up than Harry and the Potters? They really that's a great idea. But what they didn't know is that in the wings of Harry and the Potters in their, in their company, they had a Slytherin. Mm. They had a snake in their midst Mm. and his name is Brad Mellenbacher. And he would start a band called Draco and the Malfoys. And this would be pretty close to Harry and the Potters, but songs that are written from a Slytherin perspective Mm. and actually attacking Harry and the Potters, the other side. And so you could call these, the stones, the Beatles, you know, Oasis to blur. It was Harry and the Potters and Draco and the Malfoys. And they were competing for bills and competing for girls. That's crazy. You know, and wow. And for wizard groupies, I'm sure those existed. Um, But eventually, you know, they would, grow to realize that they needed each other mm-hmm. as most people do we all do yeah like batman's uh, and joker or something, yeah you know who would the batman be but a weird guy running around in a you know skin tight suit yeah they the definitely wasn't these, killing people. these bands definitely need each other <laughs> they really need each other more so than anything mm-hmm. these guys really need each other for therapy and other than that. <laughs> yeah um but Harry and the Potters would eventually play their 500th show um, in the summer of 2011. And I mean, they they had a real uh, real run of it where they toured the world. Um, You know, they had an indie pop style. A lot of people compared them to they might be giants Mm -hmm. Um, and they just put a lot of energy, you know, behind their songs. Um, But with Harry and the Potters and Draco and the Malfoys and those originals, you now have 
what you can start branching off and it gets really weird. So we've nice. got bands called the Whomping Willows, the Remus Lupins. Um, these were just a few. Um, one of them. These names are. How do they do? Almost it? the best part. I know. I don't it's, even have to hear amazing. it. I just love. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I love them. I'm, I'm buying that record. Um, you got Oliver Boyd and the Rememberalls, the Parcel Mouths, the Moaning Myrtles, the Mudbloods, the Butterbeer Experience. That's wow. one of my favorites. <laughs> the Weasel King, um, Riddle Tom. And the Parcel Mouths are, are pretty interesting because it was started by Christina Horner and Brittany Volberg in 2004. And it was an all-girl group um, based on the characters um, from Slytherin House. So they, the premise of the band was to create and portray very real Slytherin girls. Um, they picked Pansy Parkinson and Millicent Bulstrode as the two characters that they wanted to emulate. Hmm. And they have to put themselves into the Harry Potter, Potter world as silly, boy, crazy, mean Slytherin girls. But the parcel mouths hope that you'll see deeper messages in a lot of their songs. Just as Draco showed his weakness in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Christine and Brittany and the Parcel Mouse try to show Slytherins aren't all evil. Now, if I had a sorting hat jump on me right now, I don't know how much you know about Harry Potter, but I'm pretty sure I'm a Slytherin. Mm. Um, okay. What makes you? I like, I like dark metal a lot. Mm. Like I'm into Manson and zombie and yeah. I kind of, I don't know if Maybe I like, Slytherin. Yeah. If I if I like had to go to high school at Hogwarts and I just saw like everybody's Gryffindors, the goody two shoes, right. all just like, well, like we like studying and just being all American. Right. You got your Hufflepuffs who are it's pretty much like the stoner house, but mm. maybe like the creatives house. And too. this is in high school? Yeah, this is so that school. that's where I would be, I guess. Yeah. yeah I okay. could see like Hufflepuffs would be fun. Yeah. And then you have the Ravenclaws who are pretty much just, you know, those are gonna be your nerdy, mm. you know, super sharp types but then you have your slytherins and they're more of like the kind of like punks yeah kind yeah. of kind of like goth punks yeah. um maybe with like a few nationalists uh you know because they're all about being pure bloods which is kind of creepy yeah that is it's very fascist very and, weird um not into that part yeah at all yeah actually. you could adjust <laughs> yeah I, I understand but that. i'm sure there's different segments of people it. you know in high school a lot of people hung out with people they didn't like you know exactly there's a crossover i'd be a slytherin hanging out with hufflepuffs like going to the hufflepuff jams yeah that's cool yeah and the, i think the hufflepuffs is where i would be right is that what we were saying yeah i, I feel like i think you'd be ravenclaw hufflepuff okay cool I like that. Because um, Ravenclaws are very like individualistic and they kind of know what they want. Like they've mm. got that predestiny, whereas Hufflepuffs are kind of just like whatever. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. But I see you as a, you, you've got like a little Running predestination. Around. So yeah, you're half Huffle, half Raven for cool. sure. Right on. Uh, that's yeah, that's good to know. Sorting hat. Yeah. It's really good to know. It's, good. it's important. Really good to know. Um, but I mean, if you were. Um, in your hometown and Harry and the Potters came and you saw them, you know, play, like, what would your initial reaction be? Wow. Um, I might be just floored, you know, I don't know. I would be, I would just be floored by it. I, I don't, I love music so much. I think I would just be like, what is happening? This is insane. I love it. You know, definitely. Um, isn't there a band in town like that's 
like kind of like a wizard rock group or something. There is. So there's actually a band from Austin that's part of the wizard rock, okay. which is not surprising at all. Okay. But you also have like in town, I like, there's a band called Stabba. Mm-hmm. That's a death metal ABBA cover band. Wow. Um, and then you have, uh, what was it called? Mac Sabbath, which was a McDonald's theme, black Sabbath cover band. Wow. Um, so those are two fun ones. I'm like more, I think I'm more impressed by like all the time these groups have to like make this music. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm, you know what? That was pretentious to say. (laughs) That's not cool. That's not cool. My music is dumb. Yeah. You know, Stava, they shove balloons and wear a wig. I mean, it's like a large man who just comes out and, you know, sings Waterloo and just a a deep baritone and it's uh it's moving you need that stuff exactly and I'm serious and and wizard rock you can say that's an offshoot of filk music which Mm -hmm. I had no idea this existed but it's basically it's a play on folk but fiction music can be derived off of anything so there is a whole filk scene for Star Trek wow you know people singing different you know languages in Klingon you have um it for Harry Potter, obviously. You have it for Lord of the Rings, which I could totally see. Yes. Even more surprisingly, there's one for Doctor Who. Um, so if you take any nerdy sci-fi outlet, you're going to have a whole lineage of bands. Wow. And I just I think I go back to like my junior year um science teacher who mm-hmm. could speak five Lord of the Rings languages. Mm-hmm. Only English. That's she insane. didn't speak like another earthly language except English, but she spoke Elvish, Dorvish, um, the language of Mordor, which is the language of the dead. Wow. And I think she spoke like three different vernaculars of Elvish. Wow. Like the wood elves and like, you know, that's, that's amazing. Like I, it's funny because me and my, uh, you know, my roommate, Evan, actually Evan Kleinicke, shout out to him. He's a great producer here in Austin, has a studio called Seize the Means um, that we started over there on the far east side. But we actually have been diving into some Lord of the Rings lore during the pandemic when it was really hot and everybody was like nervous. We were just watching a lot of like lore. So I actually know a lot about like the first age and the second age of Lord of the Rings. I'm way more excited about Lord of the Rings the show. bands than oh. than oh, yeah, yes. the Harry Potter offshoots. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool, you know? I mean, like, you've got like the Ents are definitely making music. Definitely. You know, it's probably going to sound like whales. Yeah. Yeah. Whales oh, and the elves. I'm sure the elves make like elegant, really nice harp music or something. Oh, yeah. Galadriel is just out there. Uh, they definitely have a lot of flutes and, and harps. This is like reminding me of how much like music and film really like they, you know, filmmakers love music, vice versa. It's cool. You know, it's cool to see sci fi's inspiring things and fantasy. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to Harry Potter. But one thing that Harry Potter did do is that they brought in in the movies. And I remember this was pretty cool. Uh, I guess it was during uh, the Goblet of Fire movie. But Radiohead's Johnny Greenwood and Phil Selway, as well as Jarvis Cocker from Pulp, were actually uh, supposed to be the Britpop wizard supergroup, the Weird Sisters. Whoa. So when they cut to like that band playing, I think they're playing at like a dance Mm -hmm. that's happening at Hogwarts. You know, those are some rock legends. Wow. um, In there. And then also Ian Brown from the Stone Roses is also in the Harry Potter movies um, hanging out the leaky cauldron wow yeah so that's cool 
I like it. You've got rock royalty injected right into the movies themselves. Apparently a lot of uh, Harry Potter characters were in Game of Thrones. Apparently there's like 20 people that were in both or whatever. It doesn't sound too hard to end up in these movies. Right? It sounds like, like if you just tweet like, hey, I've got like 100,000 followers. <laughs> like, I, I really like, dig Harry. Yeah. Maybe you could just put me next to Hagrid. Yeah. As his half brother or something. I like dragons and wizards and stuff. Yeah. You're like, you're in. Yeah, it doesn't sound too hard to yeah. end up. But then you think about like these movies are going to live on for generations. They may be remembered more so than your music. Yeah. And it's, you're those just, movies are. Yeah. They're going to go on for a while. You're hanging out in the background, you know, during a battle, <laughs> waving that, an axe. That'd be like, amazing. I would that's love your that. grandpa right there. <laughs> yeah, I he, did that. He fought at Helm's Deep <laughs> with the dwarves. Like, oh, didn't man. you actually like laugh. fighting in a real war? No, no, no. But you need to remember. <laughs> this is the one to remember. He was at Helm's Deep when the walls fell. Man. He fought for the king. I'm impressed by all this research, too. It's like, wow. you're. It's making me like laugh. Like all this stuff you're reading to me. I'm like, wow, I'm trying not to laugh a lot. You know, it's being the dilettante and not having a life. See, other people cr- progress in life, right? Mm. Like they pick a chosen profession and they move up and they learn skills. I stand in my own waters. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of, of non-progress and just, you know, I don't believe a, that, but I believe it. I immerse yeah. myself in, you know, the various rainbows of micro genres and music. And, and that's how I find my purpose. Um, it. and I bring them, you know, to people who may not care. How many people care about wizard rock? Not that many right now. But one more. Yeah. Right here. But I got... I'm, I'm walking out of here and I'm just going to listen to Wizard Rock forever. You got Jesse Beeman as a convert. And yep. that's all yeah. I need to hear. I'm in. But I mean, when you do talk about the influence of Wizard Rock and Harry Potter, mm-hmm. nothing is more evident than going through the lexicon of these different bands. Mm-hmm. And there's a band called As I Lay, As I Lay Dobby which is an As I Lay Dying <laughs> reference from a band in New York, uh, New Jersey. Um, so, you know, they brought metal into the, the Potter sphere. Yeah. Um, band in a Horcrux is a pre- the premier wizard jazz band from New York. Um, they say that they're two proud Hufflepuffs and they will continue to make uh, Harry Potter themed jazz in the New York area for as long as they can. Wow. Um, till the day they die. And then you've, yeah, you've got bands. I, I really feel like a lot of these, cause I went to school up in the Northeast, but a lot of these bands do come from like New England and the Northeast for some reason. Hmm. I think it has that hog, like the Ivy leagues up there. It has that Hogwarts feel. Like yeah. people maybe can identify more to it. That makes sense. Um, I also remember when I went to college up there, man, Quidditch had just started as a legit sport. Wow. Um, so they're like Quidditch tryouts. And I was like, you guys are taking this too far. Wow. But now Quidditch is one of the top university club sports. They have massive. Really? Massive. Like UT has a big, they have like what? five Quidditch teams. What? I mean, JK Rowling did not know what she was doing. I know. I mean, she, I hope she's like getting some, she's like, Hey, I need some money for that or something. I don't know if she could arrange that. Probably not. Yeah, she's she's got enough money. She's probably like, I don't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, it was the story is that she wrote it on welfare. You know, she had she was a single mom riding the bus to work and she would just write wow. the Harry Potter novels while riding public transportation in London. Um, wow. And 
eventually, oh, what it, she submitted to a publisher and one of the publisher's children got a hold of her manuscript and read it and was just, I need like the second book and was just crying to her daddy. Like I need to read what happens to Harry. Oh my God. And so he then went back to her. He hadn't even read it up until then. And that's how it got all got started. Wow. And then you've got 200 wizard rock bands. You've (laughs) got bands called the Butterbeer Experience. You've got bands called Death Metal Crinkle, which is a Dutch band um, that is supposed to be comprised of dark arts teachers. And they incorporate like spells into their songs, Hmm. which is a little off putting. I should, you know, look into these groups for Maxman. Absolutely. Uh, if they're still they out there, oh, yeah, um, right. some of them are. They would love, I'm sure, any recognition at all. Yeah. But you've got the Fred and George band again from New York, um, the two Weasley brothers who love to play pranks on each other and cause trouble, <laughs> um, you know, have created a folk band wow. in New York. You have the Gryffindor Common Room Rejects, you have Hermione and the Mudbloods. Which Mudblood is a very derogatory name. Yeah, it's uh, it's not book. nice. We're not into that. Mm-hmm. The Hungarian Horntails um, is a UK band. And Hungarian Horntails, if you're not familiar, that's a that's a species of dragon. Mm, okay. Um, Thank you. So I'm just listing off a lot of awesome bands that you should be checking out. Thank God Florida got into the mix with the House of Black, based out of Orlando. Um, they're big, serious black fans. You have the Hogwarts train wreck out of Spokane, Washington, okay. you know, incorporating the Hogwarts express. You have the Nocturne Alley project, which sounds like the Alan Parsons project, except this is happening in Nocturne Alley, which is a alley in Harry Potter known for the dark arts. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, this is amazing. I yeah. Mean, how, how, how long did this take you to find all this? This is. Oh, not, not to, you know, cause a lot of these people are internet based. These are ah, internet cool. thriving people. Cool. Um, but we were talking about a little of this at the beginning. Like the thing about Harry Potter is I remember my dad got me the book and it's just like, I heard a lot of kids were reading this mm-hmm. and I read it and I loved it. And I became one of those kids who was there at Barnes and Noble for every release mm-hmm. and grabbed it and would just sit in the aisle and read it so I could be. So I wouldn't have like someone like spoiling it for fucking, you. Yeah. Like yeah. Carolyn Herrera telling me like, yeah. oh, well, he Carolyn. dies on the seven Horcrux. Spoiler. Yeah. Oh my God. It was just like the worst. Can't deal with that. So, and then there's also a little bit of ego for me and because you just want to be like, I already know what happened, but, but it was only released like last night. Yeah, yeah. I know. Done. Yeah, you exactly. Know. I like it. I remember I was on a vacation with my family and I refused to like engage with them. I just, everywhere we went, I just had the book open so I could just, like and they're like, right in their, right in you don't want to see like a national monument. This may actually like make you a better person. It's like, shut up. They're talking about mud blood. That's so funny. Um, but one thing about Harry is that he was my age. So like just talking about this, that he was going through girl issues at a time where like, you know, it's like, Oh, girls exist. Mm-hmm. Um, he, had gone to Hogwarts at a time where I had transferred schools and there was just like a, there's a lot to relate there. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I kind of saw that as, um, you know, extension of self. And I think that's why maybe so many people got into it and started creating bands. Here's the Austin band. The Austin bands called the Mudbloods. Oh, the Mudbloods. Oof. 
which is pretty derogatory. I don't even know if I can say it on a podcast. Yeah, some Harry Potter fans would be very offended. It's called the the M Bloods. Yeah. Yeah. The bleeps, you know. <laughs> the bleeps. Yeah. Wow. Um the the Patronish charms out of Cleveland um claim that their music can be used to repel dementors. Wow. Um that's good to know. That's powerful. Yeah. You have the pumpkin pasties out of Edinburgh, the Remus Lupins. Edinburgh. Of, Sorry, yeah. I got it. Cool. Yeah. My dad lives around there. Really? Yeah. I love. McAllen and Edinburgh. Edinburgh and Glasgow. I'm a huge train spotting mm. fan. And I've always wanted to. You know to... what? You're talking about Scotland. Never mind. Oh, you're talking about Edinburgh, I was, Texas. I was really excited for Edinburgh, Texas for a second. <laughs> oh, no. I really thought they had something cool going on, but it's totally Scotland. I saw this I meme during pandemics like, oh, you want to travel the world? Well, just take this Texas road trip. You can hit London, Dublin, Paris, Edinburgh. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. Stockholm. They're all in Texas. UK baby. and Texas. Let's do it. There's absolutely no letdown. In <laughs> fact, in Paris, Texas, I think they actually have like an Eiffel Tower set up somewhere. <laughs> wow. Damn, I thought I was like, your dad's in Edinburgh. Like, I know. That would have been cool. I wish he was living in Scotland. That'd be nice to go visit. But anyways. Uh, Texas you, will do. You continue. I'm sorry to get excited yeah, for how Edinburgh, Texas. dare you wow. get in my flow of... I know, uh, you're flowing. Wizard Rock. Keep it going. Um, so there, there was actually a Wizard Rock festival that was held um i believe it was in 2008 and it was the first time any of these bands had gotten together and i would just like to be a fly on the wall of that backstage yeah that'd be insane. what kind of debauchery was happening down there i like they're all chugging butterbeer and casting spells on each other and love charms damn and they're all like they all it's like being alone in the world you know being your own species and then finally like running into like where you belong, I yeah. guess. Wow. That, I bet it's a party. Did that just warm your heart? It warmed mine. Mm. Um, did feel good. But yeah, it did feel good. Mm -hmm. But at one point, all of these bands were brought together. Now, the death knell of Harry Potter bands and Wizard Rock was there's no more releases. The, uh, you know, all the movies have come out. Mm. All the bands. That's not true, though, because we have like these offshoots that continue to spin off. Um, That's true. Yeah, so I've heard about those. Right. You could still, I guess, continue with that. But these people who were in their twenties when they started are now in their thirties. So it's up to a new generation of SoundCloud rappers and DJs yeah. to take wizard core, Harry Potter core to another level. Yeah. These guys are a little more busy, you know, they're just they're growing up a little bit. I think we need wizard trap. <laughs> I think great. I need to see Ron Weasley just holding it down, you know, spinning for a few Ravenclaw girls. I like that idea. Um, do you I, think that these, uh, the younger generation, do you think they'll, do you think they'll create Harry Potter bands? Do you think this book will, you know, like Lord of the Rings, will it, you know, will kids be reading this forever? I don't know. I should know this. I have a nephew. It's tough to say. I think they're, he read Harry Potter. I read, yeah. Like Harry Potter is always going to be in, for 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 everybody who read the books, he's always going to be in in the back of our mind, deep in our limbic mm -hmm. somewhere. But for the new generation, it's like, yeah, are they gonna are they gonna create SoundCloud remixes yeah. involving Harry Potter? I don't think so. I don't think it's as fresh. Mm. I don't think it's as on top of the mind as it once was. And I really think, like, yeah, you know these these Wizard Rock bands. 
you know, these people have had to become accountants and you know, yeah, doctors by now. Yeah, they can't just be. be like, you know, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> Like they're all talking about it. Like how much longer are we going to do this guy? I thought we were Slytherins for life. Yeah. Some of them are really upset about it. Like probably some of the worst breakups. I can't keep paying rent, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're like having like, like battles with like wands and stuff like crazy breakups. If, if I could just send this out into the universe to get a documentary crew to get out there and find some of these bands and just find out what happened to them. Because for the big ones, they all, you know, they actually made a little money. They got their tours in. They saw it for what it was and they ended it yeah. in like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, It'd be cool to like interview like the most successful group and then like the least successful one, like in the same room <laughs> and just be like, so what did you do right? And what did you guys not do right? Well, what Harry and the Potters did right was they were first up mm. like 2002 they're already moving, writing Harry Potter songs. Yeah. And they're making all these bookings and Draco and the Malfoys, um, you know, we're right along with them. Um, that's cool. They've been called the pink Floyd of Potter dumb. Uh, sorry. That's just like, they, uh, Oh my God. Okay. So this, this rock festival, this wizard rock festival with Draco and the Malfoys, Tom Riddle and friends, Whomping Willows and the Moaning Myrtles, 2008. This is where it went down oh, at man. a YMCA summer camp lodge in the Ozark foothills. Draco and the Malfoys had just released their third album, A Slytherin World. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm having like a hard time about like... Yeah, I, I can't drink this water. Mm. It's too funny. Okay, so Ross, so Draco and the Malfoys, um, their whole existence was based off of being like the antithesis of Harry and the Potters, mm. and a lot of their lyrics were anti-Potter lyrics. Mm. So you may have freed our house elf and brought doubt our family name, but your parents still got toasted by a green, big green glowing flame. Ooh. Um, it's cutting deep. Exactly. Uh, you know, they would always sing as Draco Malfoy. I don't know if you're familiar with, but he's like the original, like he's Lord Fauntleroy. Mm-hmm. He's his pure blood that's supposed to take over as the Death Eater. His dad's head of the Death Eaters and like a pure blood. Okay. And Draco is just having qualms with like following in his dad's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Draco in the Malfoy sings, my dad's always there to open all my doors. You have to call a Patronus just to catch a glimpse of yours. My dad is rich and your dad is dead. Ooh. Were lyrics that Draco would sing. So they would like have this battle of the bands at Rockfest at the YMCA camp <laughs> and the Ozark Footholds in 2008. And if there is not footage online... <laughs> How is there not like this is crazy? Like, if there's not footage online of this, then the world has missed out. I feel like I don't know anything about music now. All of a sudden, I'm like, I don't know anything. Like, this the is- problem was is that little kids apparently took it really personally. So, oh. if you weren't of the age where you could conceptualize that these weren't actual wizards and that maybe this wasn't a real world, this really messed, really messed with a lot of psyches at the time. Oh, I don't want to know where those kids are now. They're probably messed up. Yeah. Well, they definitely took the dark side and they became Death Eaters. Um, But I think they charged, it was a $5 entry fee to Rockfest 2008. 
Sweet. Um, and we all missed out on that, unfortunately. But I agree. I mean, there's so much content here and there's so much creativity happening. And everybody, you know, none of these people are, are not having fun mm-hmm. when they're creating this music. You yeah. Know? You know, uh, It'd be crazy if, if you were doing that and you weren't having fun, but you just kept doing it. That would be crazy. <laughs> that would be like insane. <laughs> I would be like, what is going on? But yeah, I hear you. You are just insane. Why do you keep doing this? It's like, I hate doing this, but it's just part of life. Look, I started chasing quaffles in Peoria in 2006 and it just hasn't worked out yet. But if we just released five more Potter themed albums, I guarantee you, guarantee you, it'll pop. We are going to be headlining the next rock fest. Um, you know, when you're starting the Chocolate Frogs in Williamsville, New York, um, you know, you're not having a bad time. True. But I just think that there's so much for the new generation to pick up and that, yes, we do need SoundCloud new disco remixes. Yes, we do need trap music, you know, for um, Slytherin heads. We, we need, you know... Hagrid, um, Hagrid, new disco love. Yeah. I don't know. Like uh, there's just too many, there's a lot to cover ways to go, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're still stuck in like a fictional non-reality <laughs> that may be hard to cross the barrier at some point. Yes. But to judge is to be judged. And mm-hmm. I would, reserve judgment for all these people because yeah. they probably are having a better time than I. Yeah. And, um, you More. know, although everything's died down, you know, a lot of these are still remembered fondly. Um, and we, we just hope that, you know, everybody found a soft landing after real these, soft, you know, it'd be really funny though. If like a band that was like, Oh, imagine dragons was actually like, two iterations before was a wizard rock band. Yeah. You know, like are some nationally dominating band, you know, that's, that's, you know, like we heard Mumford and sons was actually like, they were just writing songs about Diagon alley. Yeah. Like you find out later. Yeah. Like, Oh wait, this whole thing is based off of your closeted wizard rock. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be really cool. Be like uh, impressive. I mean, what if it's just like a mass cover up? And that most of pop music is just wizard rock. emanated from wizard rock. I don't know what I would think about life after that. I'd be confused, but I would, I would accept it. Yeah. You Con- have to, <laughs> if that's what it is. Yeah. It's the fascism of wizard rock. You yeah. just have to accept it, how it is and what it is and what it's going to be. Um, it's cool. I felt like that was like, I learned stuff today, you know? Yeah. That's that what cool. we try to do on the music fringe is just take these dark little seeds of wisdom that most people would throw out as, Hey, that's a waste of time. Hey, maybe you should get a job. Hey, maybe you should actually focus on something that will affect society. Yeah. Reality. Want to come down to the studio? And I say, no, <laughs> I say wizard rock lives on. And we're going to document it here today at the music fringe. Yeah. Via le music Dilettante, j'écoutais la musique. Mm. Ça va. It's okay. um, but I think with like the different genres that inhabit that, um, 
you know, a lot of these people probably have spun into legitimate bands now and, and we are reaping the benefits because it is a creative exercise mm-hmm. and they may not want to relive their wizard rock days, but they'll always be grateful for it. Yeah. And they'll always see that as part of their DNA and becoming who they are as people today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for you though, you know, I think it was hard to define, you know, what music genre you are did did you like you have to fill out a facebook page and like mm. here's who we are this is my band mm-hmm. usually you have to like write here's kind of what we sound like mm-hmm. and that's a shitty exercise for bands because you can list influences but to say like what you sound like well it's up to the listener right i mean how did you navigate that personally good question it's funny because um i've never really been into genres like ever like i've never really paid attention to genres and so um even though some of my favorite artists were like considered certain genres like i would get off like the stage or something and someone would be like oh you remind me of this genre and it would be like one of my favorite artists or something and it would like not i would never say it to the person talking to me but in my mind i would be like upset like i hate being boxed in you know even though yes that's like one of my favorite artists and it's a huge compliment just I saying just, it's like a mental yeah just fuck, saying it you're makes like, me feel weird now i gotta get out of that mm-hmm. box. now i gotta stray away from it it definitely felt weird and it's funny too because like um genres i decided to be like against even though i was a part of it like i ended up liking later like i remember people would be like you're like ambient music and then and when I was younger, I was like, no, I'm not like ambient music. Cause even though I loved ambient music, I was always like, everyone thinks ambient music's boring. No one likes ambient music, but me, I felt, you know, so I never wanted to be called ambient music, but now I'm older and I'm like, no, I love ambient music. And I almost would rather someone say, just be lazy and just be like, Oh, he's kind of like ambient music. Cause I, I look at ambient music now as actually like a really mature style of music because it's not really about like being impressive with like how good are you at an instrument? It's more about like sound and, and feeling, you know? And so when I was younger, I was like, oh, I just want to be energetic and people to enjoy my shows. But now I'm like, I don't really, I see things so differently than I did 10 years ago, you know? But yeah, yeah genres are tough. You know? Yeah. Ambient I definitely had negative connotations at the beginning because ambient <laughs> music was what you would play when entering a yeah. lobby yeah. of a mall mm-hmm. or you know that's what they play in or a like brainwashing video for a cult mm-hmm. or yeah it was it's it, weird like when i when i first moved to austin like i was really i've always been in the ambient uh music style of music like some of my favorite apex twin songs when i was like in high school was like ambient works and then um one of the like there's this record called the fireman or a project called the fireman and it's paul mccartney from the beatles mccarthy yeah and he um he did ambient music with this like London DJ. And that's kind of what got me into ambient music. Like when I was like 16, I heard that and was like, what's this? It's like a piano melody that just plays for like 10 minutes. And there's all these like weird sounds in the background. And I just fell in love with it. And since then, since I was like 16, I've been just like exploring ambient sounds. I had no idea. So Paul McCartney has a side project called the firemen. Yeah. That was ambient music. Yeah. It's crazy. It's such a crazy record. Um, But yeah, that was, so yeah, when I was that age, I felt, like very isolated like but all of a sudden recently i feel like some ambient music is like doing well and in, in the main incredibly well yeah like my friend juliana barwick she's very uh ambient but she's really done well you know like um doing really cool shows playing with great groups and stuff so i think it's what people need too that's like the music of pandemic it's totally chill yeah. me the fuck out please yeah i got some cool responses releasing band camps uh singles during the pandemic a lot of people would say stuff like that so in a weird way, the pandemic, I, 
I had a lot of people saying like, oh, your music would be perfect for right now, these times. And I always felt like so isolated during Austin's a very like energetic city, a lot of rock and roll and stuff. So I always would have to tour to feel like more like um, welcomed or more like, oh, yeah, I love sitting in a church and just watching like music, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. what I miss about South by is because you would have those enclaves of mm-hmm. like they had called it like the world music showcase or whatever mm-hmm. or the ambient. But yeah, you could lock into showcases that weren't just like a mile a minute. Just band after, you know, it's mm-hmm. just all ambient. Totally. Did you know a band called The Books? Oh, my uh, my friend Matt Kramer brought them up to me a long time ago. And I don't think I ever heard them, but he was like, you should listen to The Books. They're so weird. They incorporate just like farm sounds and just oh. like weird, Field just, yeah, everyday sounds and, and just spin off them. And that's been incredible. How about Square Pusher? Oh, I love Square Pusher. Yeah. One of my favorites. Um I don't know, like something poetry nine. I forgot that song name, but that's like my, one of my favorite songs. I don't know my favorite song names, by the way, but <laughs> that song track number three on ultra visitor is like one of the best tracks. It's like a jazz a drum beat that just keeps building with like a really cool, uh, like synth melody or something like a real yeah. nice pad, but that's like my favorite. So if an alien landed, and was like, you got to get in. We're doing one year. I'm taking you on a tour. We're going to see the whole galaxy. You're going to get some cool powers when you get back. So it'll be worth it. You'll see your family again. Don't worry. Wow. But how are we soundtracking this whole trip? Wow. You get two artists that you get to play the whole of that year. And it's just you and an alien locked in a little pod together. Wow. That's really hard. I would probably like, mm, there's so much music, but since we're going to space, I would say I would probably do an old throwback for me. Like I haven't really listened to Sigaross in a long time, but they're like one of my old throwbacks of like really cracked my mind on like, wow, I didn't know music could be so beautiful, emotional, like slow, you know? So I would definitely bring them. And I think I'll, the next person I would probably take is, or the next music would be, I'm just going to say Apex Twin. I don't know why. Just because I was He would thinking, do well in space. Yeah. I like some of his stuff. It kind of bends my reality when I listen to him. So I could just see it like the stars zipping by and you're just like. <laughs> yeah. It's like his stuff is weird because like he'll get really crazy and then he'll be really calm sometimes. Like he has like multiple personalities, you know. Yeah. He's human. Yeah. I love it. Um yeah, his, some of his music videos, too, are just like the greatest music videos ever. <laughs> yeah. Like the one where all the girls have his face and they're dancing. <laughs> Super weird. Fuck, so, man. so cool. Yeah. Those, Sigur Ross probably is the greatest answer to that question. That's a good one. You, yeah. you hit that on the head. That's like a thousand points to Gryffindor. Something to like be calm in space, you know? Definitely. I feel like they wrote it knowing that was going to be played in space. Like, yeah. They should send their music to space. Well, who? When Didn't NASA, they send some yeah. sort of music? Okay. So NASA, I remember, asked like Damon Alburn from uh, Blur to like create a melody that they could play back oh, wow. to hear like one of their receivers that had landed on Mars. They're like going to send a message. So it's going to be like this melody. And so wow. they Damon Alburn mm. create that. I wish I'd gotten a little more into like where nasa and pop culture and music have crossed over mm-hmm. at different times but there's been a lot of cool stuff like there was that project um to capture sounds from around the world and create a time capsule that if 
an alien did find it, you know, here's how we say hello in like 50 di- different languages. Wow. And here's a sampling of music from different parts of the world. Wow. And yeah, that's amazing. Um, I that's think that cool. was called like the golden record. Wow. And uh, I wish I had more info on that. I could have created. And then they created like music for plants, Plantasia. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's stuff. Science and music are always coalescing. Yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. But if you were to summon the pagan gods that we know exist um, to come down and save us from this earth scorched dystopia Mm. that our lives have become, what music would you use to summon those gods? Mm. And depending on what you play, you get different gods. Oh, so wow. You got to call, I guess it depends what your designs are on the world. Yeah. Like where, where do I want this direction to go? Yeah. And they can be alive or living mm. music gods. Hmm. Maybe I would play like some, like, I don't know. I would try and play that one. Like, I don't really know much about music, which is funny. Like, but I would play like a nice John Lennon song for them or something. Working class hero. Yeah. Just, just like, something. Just imagine. Yeah. Just something really nice for them. I don't know. I don't even listen to John Lennon too much, but it just seems safe. Like, Hey, this, <laughs> it's like this guy, people really like him, you know, and, and his music's beautiful and he's totally chaos as well, but here's something. And then I actually really, I'm just going to mention old stuff for some reason, like really peaceful things, but, um, I'd play that Kathy. I don't, I don't even know if this makes sense, but I would play that Kathy's song by Simon and Garfunkel just because it's so beautiful. And like, so I don't know why I would just want these gods to hear like something blissful. I think Simon and Garfunkel would be like, nobody's going to come to earth and think that we're a bellicose race of antagonistic warriors. If they hear bridge over troubled water, exactly. Or if they hear me and Julio down by the schoolyard, (laughs) if they hear the angelic voice of art Garfunkel, exactly coming through Garfunkel, he can belt with the song structures of Paul Simon. Mm -hmm. Never should have broken up. Exactly. I know. But what are you going to do? Humans yeah, are human. I know. We just have to deal with it. So good. Um, Those are weird choices. Yeah. And you know what? John Lennon, love him. I just celebrated, I, you know, it was just um, as the anniversary of his death. Mm-hmm. And I was at Strawberry Fields in New York and went to the Dakota where he'd been shot. Whoa. I just meditating on him for a long time. But mm-hmm. Man, he wasn't like the nicest guy in yeah. real life. And yeah, and a lot of people don't talk about that, but you know. Yeah, he's chaos. Julian Lennon really got the shaft as his son and was neglected. And Damn. you know, Yoko is great, man, and I love her. I think she's a huge pillar of the art world, but they never they never gave like Julian any credits or money even. Like wow. he had to go sue and wow. Uh, that's dark. Yeah. There's, there's definitely darkness. Yeah. He's, he's a dark character. You know, we don't know the full extent of it, but, oh, he came from a dark place. Yeah. You know, he's raised by his mother. Mm. He has that song, uh, primal where it's basically him just doing primal scream therapy. Wow. Mother. Yeah. You had me. Yeah. But I never had you. Yeah. That starts screaming. That's heavy. And the Beatles, they were a bunch of like, street kids right like yeah street poor english kids so they probably came from little rough little rough 
Parents. Yeah, they were middle class in Liverpool, and and none of them really had a leg up in life. Yeah, um, the real street kids were the who, man. Like oh. uh, Roger Daltrey was just—he was literally like kicking kids' ass on the side of the street. Wow. Rolling Stones were just you know uh, blues obsessed mm-hmm. English kids. They all just found these American records and mm-hmm. just muddy waters. Yeah, and, they mm-hmm. exactly. They literally say like the electricity like the world went technicolor when they found these records, which mm. is cool to say. But if you want to talk about like the real down and out, like British kids, it's fucking, uh, it's Roger Daltrey. who was just literally cat, you know, glassing people on wow. the street and, uh, crazy. yeah. Singing Straight in the who gangster. saved him, man. Wow. Singing in the who saved him. That's crazy. Um, I love that bin. But I'll end with this because it's Harry Potter themed and you may not even know what this is, but you know what a Patronus is? Mm. So in Harry Potter, like when they release a spell of like their own, it's a very powerful spell. They mm-hmm. can release a um, Patronus and that's, it's, it's a, uh, it's an animal that shoots out of their wand and, and everybody has a different Patronus. So it's okay. like, um, if I shot it out, it'd probably, you know, be like a shrew or something. Okay. But, um, what is your band Patronus? It's like if you had a spell that just like brought everything together and you had to unleash it and to like save you in some situation. Mm. Would it have to be and an animal? No, no, no. So this is now it's a band oh. living. Oh, a band. so, so okay. it's no what longer. What band's coming out to yeah. save me? Ooh. You just sent it out and you're in a tight spot and you need this band to come out. And you. it's not so you can't summon the band. It just comes out. It's okay. just like, okay, this is closest to my soul. And like, I'm guessing this is to protect me from something bad. Yeah. It's to know? help you or protect you from death eaters. Okay. It's, yeah. Well, well, it's like one direction. I want to do something sweet, but I think I'm going to go, go heavy just cause I like the idea of like having a, some crazy guys behind me, but converge, I would have converge come out. Oh my God. I just, love that answer. Yeah. And just let them you know, take the darkness away or whatever <laughs> with, their, with their dark sounds. Yeah. I love that. Well, Harry Potter would have been a lot cooler if they're shooting out bands and you just see like Ozzy Osbourne materializing. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fighting. That'd be um, cool. but lo and behold, we just got to start a band around that. Really? Yeah. All these things that we want to see happen. Just gotta we do. can do it. Yeah. We just do it. There's even a rock festival in the Ozark foothills that you can I'm meet others just like yourself. as soon as I get home, we're, we're going to try and arrange to be there next, next time get top billing. Yeah. It's all about the name as we've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're as I lay Dobby or the eighth Horcrux or wizard kind or Wingardium Leviosa, which is a wizard rock band from San Diego wow. um, that brings incantations and levitation charms into their music. Again, these guys tonks and the aurors, Snidget is a rock band from Virginia um, that brings in, you know, the golden snitch. The golden snidget is the ancestor of the golden snitch. Anyway, wow. we, we got to cut this off at some point. I need, I need just, that sheet. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll, uh, you know, I'll put together a nice playlist 
Please. Just like an intro. If you want your 200. <laughs> 20, 20, yeah, 200. If, if you want your 300 level course, you're going to have to come back another time because there's just too much to go through. But again, man, thanks so much for, um, for coming on. And um, was there any like releases or dates coming up with Tepo Magico? Yeah. I'm going to talk about. Yeah, we have um, some cool stuff coming. Just my album is going to be coming in um, June. So it'll be my solo album that I did with Brandon producing. And um, we have, yeah, releases coming out on Maxman, the record label that we started. And um, yeah, Tepo Magico, we're going to be putting out a track on April 8th on Bandcamp exclusively. And then an EP like in the summer. So and then more releases and stuff like that. So I'm super excited, man. Thanks so much for coming on. And thanks for being a friend. And yeah, man, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was cool. Really funny. We'll, we'll, uh, We'll do another wizard or Wilk Filk. We'll do Lord of the Rings next time. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a little uh, Mordor death metal or Dorvish, you know, yeah. trap lounge. There better be some. We'll figure it out. But again, thanks again, man. Thank you. All right. We're out. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts.